0: Welcome back to the Good Earth Podcast. My name is Henry with Christians On Campus, and today is episode 64 of the fifth episode in our I Will Build My Church series. Have you ever thought about where God lives? Or have you ever thought where, where God can be found? In today's message, Jake shares with us where God is living and where God's home is. One beautiful verse we can be in line with is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. To share further on this topic, let's turn it over to to James. So,
1: we've been covering a new series, I Will Build My Church. So, we're going through different aspects of what the church is, just seeing that God, from the very beginning, even before creation, had an eternal purpose in his heart, he had something that he wanted to accomplish. And when he spoke the universe into existence, it was with this purpose in mind that everything was created. And that purpose was a mystery throughout the ages, but then eventually was revealed, like Ephesians says, to his holy apostles and prophets in spirit. And also in Ephesians, it talks about God is building up a spiritual house. So we've covered the church as the eternal purpose. The increase of Christ, the body of Christ, a matter of revelation, and today we want to talk about the church as the house of God. So, um, I thought it would be good if we could start with something from the Old Testament, because the the Lord actually went everything that He did in the old testament everything that he did with the children of israel the new testament reveals that these things were uh, a picture or you could use the word type an illustration something that it took place in human history but spiritually speaking it reveals something about what god is doing so one example of this is the lamb of god in leviticus god told the children of israel To offer the Passover lamb as a propitiation for their sins or as an expiation for their sins and the lamb had to have certain characteristics well eventually when the Lord Jesus came to to minister John the Baptist said something he said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world John had a revelation This lamb that we have been sacrificing all this time is a picture of Christ. Christ is not a little lamb with four legs and a tail. He's not literally this animal. But the lamb shows us something concerning his person. He's the one without blemish. He's the one who is spotless and able to be offered as a sacrifice for our sins. And there's many other pictures in the Old Testament that reveal Christ to us. But one that's very helpful is the ark within the tabernacle. So the ark, when God arranged for the the tabernacle to be built, it it was composed of different sections. And then this is just my attempt at a little bit of a rendering. But the tent had... um, it had poles, it had clasps, it had curtains, and it was made into a big rectangle. And then there's sections. There's what's called the outer court. Then there's the sanctuary or the holy place. And then within, in the center is called the holy of holies. And in the holy of holies, there is the ark. And there's two cherubim on the ark. And the cherubim, uh, between the cherubim see i put god here so in exodus 25 god said in between the cherubim there i will meet with you and there i will speak with you so it's mysterious i don't know when the high priest went into the holy of holies i don't know in what way god appeared between the cherubim i don't know if it was a bright light or you just had a sense of his presence but there was Something about the ark where when the high priest went in, he could be in God's presence. He could see God. He could speak with God. So this is uh, the ark is very much associated with God himself and his presence. God is not a box made out of wood with some gold on it. There's nothing physical that can capture God or fully illustrate God. But because he's so mysterious and he's invisible and hard for us to understand, he gave us these illustrations to grasp different aspects. And so the dimensions are meaningful, the gold, the acacia wood, all these things are meaningful. But the number one thing we should see is that God's presence is associated with the ark. And even in Numbers 10.35, I believe it's Moses, he said, it says when the ark was setting out from the tabernacle so the priests picked it up by the poles there was some rods like this that went off the side the priests could grab the handles and carry the ark and when they were carrying the ark it's setting up Moses said arise O Lord and may your enemies be scattered so Moses wasn't saying Our Lord is a box, but he knows as the ark is taking off, our God is going with the ark. And the ark is within something. Most of the time it's within the tabernacle made of curtains. So that's just a little bit of background because we want to talk about a person in the Old Testament who is very concerned with what what was on God's heart. He wasn't only living for himself and his own interests. He loved God. He cared about God. He wanted God's heart to be happy. He wanted his purpose to be fulfilled. That was David. So maybe I can just read some verses from 2 Samuel chapter 7. And then if you have your Bibles, it'd be good. You can follow along with me. So 2 Samuel 7, 1 through 7. Now it came to pass when the king... And that's referring to David. So it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from his enemies all around. That the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. Which means cedar in the old testament is really nice wood. You know, so I, I dwell in a in a good house and I have rest from my enemies. But the ark of God God's presence, or a representation of God's presence, where, where God meets with his, his people, the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Look how nice my house is, and God, he's in a tent. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? So here we begin to see something. It was not wrong for David to want to build God a house. He saw the tabernacle the tabernacle was given by God is a good thing. but he, David realized this is temporary. It's not permanent. It's not structurally sound. It, it can be taken up and put away and carried by the Levites. He wants to build something more permanent for the Lord, but still the Lord has more to reveal concerning his house. Okay, so another verse. So 1 Kings 8.27. Now this is Solomon. God spoke to David, it's not going to be you that builds me the house. It will be your seed, who is Solomon. And Solomon said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built? So Solomon actually carried out what David intended to do. God did not allow David to take the tabernacle and build it into the, the, the temple with you know it's enlarged and it's made out of um, it's made out of stones. It's not just curtains anymore. Solomon actually did that, but Solomon knew as he's praying to the Lord, Lord, you're infinite. You're so far beyond anything physical. So the heaven of heavens can't even contain you. How much less this physical building that I've built? So we're, we're starting to transition a little bit. There's the, the types and the figures and the shadows in the Old Testament that are all pointing toward the fulfillment in the New Testament. So just go a little bit farther. So Isaiah 66, 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me and where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one, or in other translations it says, to this type of man, on this one, on this kind of man, will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So first Solomon, Solomon saw something. This house cannot contain the infinite, eternal God. And then the Lord himself said, heaven is my throne. I already have a throne in heaven. I don't need another one of those. And I have the whole earth to put my feet on as a footstool. But I want you to build me a house that will be the place of my rest. And I'm the one that spoke the heavens into existence. I'm the one that spoke the earth into existence. You couldn't use these things to build something for me. I've already done that myself but to this kind of man will i look to this one one who has who's poor and contrite in spirit who trembles at my word that kind of a man is precious in my sight i can do something with that one for what is on my heart concerning my my building building the church so that's the kind of person we aspire to be we want to be poor in spirit we want to be pure in heart to allow the lord to work on us so Let's come to the New Testament. What is the house of God according to the New Testament? It's clear. It's not a physical building. It's not the temple. It's not the tabernacle. It's something else. And it's involving man. What is it? Can anybody read 1 Timothy 3.15 for me? How one ought to conduct himself in God's household which is the church of the living God. So there, Paul said to Timothy, God has a house on the earth today. I want you to know, Timothy, how to conduct yourself in this house, which is the church, the church of the living God. We already covered the church was the increase of Christ. Initially, There's more verses I could put. So you had John 1, 1, and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 14, And the Word, who is God, became flesh and tabernacled among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and reality. So the eternal Word, God became flesh as the man Jesus Christ. And the word in those verses was tabernacled. This was called the tabernacle where the ark was. But the Lord tabernacled among us. His human body was the fulfillment of this tent. The eternal God was dwelling in this human being. And when you touched him, You're touching the one who is God, who's who's containing God and expressing God. But like we covered from John 12, 24, as this one, he also was a grain of wheat, a seed of life that fell into the ground and died so that it would no longer abide alone, but that it would bear much fruit that this life would be reproduced in others. He could get into other human beings and put God in them. So when we're talking about the, the church, the house of the living God, the Lord Jesus was already the house. God already had a place of rest inside the Lord Jesus. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I have found my delight. I'm delighted with him. I'm delighted to to be inside him to be one with him to speak in his speaking to let him work in my working but I'm not content for that grain to abide alone I want that grain to be increased I want it to spread into others so that I can have a house I can have many human beings in whom I reside that I'm filling that I'm being expressed through who are one with my son Jesus Christ they've been purchased by him They have my life because of him, and now I want to express myself through them as a house. So what about 1 Corinthians 3.16? The Spirit of God dwells in you. That word dwells. You know, inanimate objects don't dwell. The table doesn't dwell in this room. The table just is here. It just sits there. If you move it, it'll move, but if you don't, it just stays there. Living things dwell. The Spirit, and where do they dwell? They dwell in a house. They dwell in a place that is their home. The Spirit has made a home in us because of our faith in Christ. And he wants this house to get uh, built up. So maybe one other could read Ephesians 2.22. You also, we also are being built together by the Spirit of God into a dwelling place of god in spirit it's hard to say was he saying the spirit of god was he saying our human spirit or in first corinthians 6 17 the spirit is one spirit with our spirit and like romans 8 16. so it's either way a dwelling place of god in spirit or in the spirit we're getting built up into a dwelling place of god so god is not looking for us to do something physical to build up some kind of physical thing or do many physical good works. He wants to build himself into us by our believing and our relationship with him our fellowship with him and with one another. And he wants us to get built up together into the house. So just in closing, just a reminder, um, we have two key verses that help us understand our human being. We have And there's others too, but these are really key. Hebrews 4.12, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. You have a spirit where the Lord is. You have a soul, that's your personality, and you have your body. When we believed in the Lord, that's where we got regenerated in our spirit. The grain of wheat, that life of God got into our spirit. And the one who was the house of God got into us. But now he wants to spread out into our soul, eventually even into our body, like it says in Philippians 3.21. We're in a process of him growing in us, the, the life of God developing in us, so that we as individual members of God's household are growing, And as we have fellowship with one another, in the Bible study, we're praying together, we're enjoying God's word together, we're singing the spiritual songs, enjoying God's life flowing. We're getting built together into God's dwelling place in spirit so that when when his house is completed, he will be satisfied. He's not content with the heavens. He's not content with the earth. He wants the church as a house of God to be built up and we have a uh, we have the privilege and we have the responsibility to participate in this building
0: God is not looking to make his home or his dwelling place in a building on the corner that is titled a church God is not seeking to make his home in a physical temple such as in the Old Testament God is seeking to live in and dwell inside of us his believers and it is in God's heart to live in and dwell in his people to be the built church we need to have our eyes opened and have our and have our heart opened even more. Stay tuned to next week's episodes as we continue opening What is the Church?